0: Welcome to South Asia Chat, a podcast brought to you by the Institute of South Asian Studies at the National University of Singapore. I am your host, Ronald Joy Sen, a Senior Research Fellow and Research Lead, Politics, Society and Governance at the Institute. The Congress has been on a free fall since the 2014 general elections, when the BJP stormed to power under Prime Minister Narendra Modi. However, no meaningful efforts have been made to revive the grand old party. The period since 2014 has seen several leaders at all levels desert the Congress. Yet another prominent leader, Ghulam Nabi Azad recently quit the party. There have also been questions raised about the leadership of Rahul Gandhi, who resigned from the position of party president after the 2019 election debacle. With elections to the Congress presidency around the corner and with the launch of the party's Bharat Joro Yatra, this is a good time to talk about the future of the Congress. We have with us today, Dr. Rahul Verma. Dr. Verma is a fellow at the Center for Policy Research, the CPR. He's also visiting assistant professor in the Department of Political Science, Ashoka University. His research interests, including voting behavior, party politics, political violence, the media, and much more. He's a regular columnist for several news platforms and has published papers in the Asian survey, economic and political weekly, and the studies in Indian politics. He has co-authored with Professor Pradeep Chibber, Ideology and Identity, The Changing Party Systems of India, which was published in 2018 by the Oxford University Press. He has a PhD in Political Science from the University of California at Berkeley. Yes. Welcome, Rahul, to the show. Thank you, Jack, for having me. I'll just go back to end 2021, where you had written an article where you had said that 2022 of this year could be one of the best years for the Congress. Given the states, including Punjab, Goa, and Uttarakhand,
1: that were going to the polls, what do you think went wrong? Uh, many things. So, even in the piece that you mentioned, I wrote as a year ender that there is a possibility that this could be one of the best years for the Congress party, provided it gets its acts together. And the reason why I made the argument about it could be the best year, because 2021 was a really bad year where Congress had lost uh, Puducherry before even the election began because half of the Congress party moved to the BJP. In Assam, they could not, despite getting alliance with AIUDF, could not form the government. In Bengal, they were almost decimated uh, with the alliance. Uh, In Kerala, where they should have formed the government because Kerala had a history of uh, alternating its state governments, uh, it was a really bad thing that they could not come to PAG, given that Rahul Gandhi is an MP from Kerala. And in Tamil Nadu, uh, Congress came into power in alliance, but uh, the victory was largely owed to DMK. So in that sense, Congress has been, as you rightly pointed out, has been in a free fall uh, since 2014, and things are getting worse every year. So 2022 could have been a better year for them, that five states uh, where the polls happened: Punjab, Uttarakhand, Goa, Manipur, and Uttar Pradesh. In among these five states, uh, in Punjab, they were in power. Uh, there were lots of uh, things happening in Punjab in the second half of 2021. They had removed their uh, chief minister Amrinder Singh and had got uh, Chani as the, the new face. And there was some uh, sort of like momentum that Congress could sort of like save the day for itself in Punjab. And then Uttarakhand, Goa, and Manipur, Congress was the principal opposition party. And a slightly better performance could have got them these three states. The state governments uh, in these three states were run by the BJP. They were not very popular state governments. Prime Minister Modi's popularity, given what was happening in 2021, especially the COVID wave two, had taken a slight hit. Economy was not doing particularly well. So everything was in place for Congress to mount an effective campaign and try to win these states. Of course, these are smaller states in comparison to the bigger prize of winning UP, where Congress spent its most of the energy. And that is what I had warned in the piece in 2021, that no matter how much energy you are going to spend here, you will remain party number three or four. So why not spend energies in the state? Uh, where you could actually win. And winning a state, no matter how small, was very important for the Congress party because it would have given a morale boost to the party and Kader and other things. But getting in power also generates different kinds of resources for the party. And so that was really, really important. But the Congress party basically, you know, stabbed itself on the foot in many ways, spent most of its resources and energy in Uttar Pradesh. In Punjab, where there was a crisis brewing, to solve the Punjab crisis, they had engaged uh, the main person who was uh, basically their chief campaigner in Uttarakhand. So Harish Rawat, instead of being stationed in Uttarakhand, was dousing the fire in, in Punjab. And so in that sense, they basically burned bridges in both states, right, in Punjab and Uttarakhand. So there was no strategy going forward. There was no clear blueprint what we want to do or not do and that's why basically things like ask anyone uh, and they would say that uh, Uttarakhand was slightly easy state for uh, Congress party to win in 2022. And losing Uttarakhand basically meant that this party in its present shape and form cannot get its act together.
0: Right. So I guess a series of missteps and miscalculations and a critical mistake of mm. focusing too much energy on UP, which was anyway uh, going to be a losing cause. Right, subsequently in 2022, you wrote a piece outlining uh, five myths that explain why the Congress is a dying force. Could you briefly elaborate on your argument?
1: So for the past couple of years, I'm basically working on a book on the Congress party of last fifty years. And in some ways, I'm trying to explore different ideas, what explains not just the decline of the Congress party, but why the party is not being able to stage a comeback. And so the idea of myths is basically rooted in a, a, a theory of organizations and firms, which is that all organizations have certain meta narratives, right? Those meta-narratives are important for uh, organizations because it keeps your energy together, your cadres together, your leadership together. It helps you in building a platform and ideology. But like those meta-narratives have to be reinvented, reinvented with the time uh, you have to also adapt it to the changing situation. And if you don't do that, then what happens, those meta-narratives take the shape of myths. And myths basically hamper you to do a proper sort analysis. Sort analysis is strength, weakness, opportunity, threat. And so you live in your glorious past. And at critical junctures, at moments of crisis, you basically don't take stock of situation and do miscalculate things and make missteps, as you rightly pointed out. And so for me, those there are five founding myths which have basically now... Uh, you know, have engulfed the Congress Party in a way that it's not able to break free. The first myth is, you know, you can see this as narratives also, which is first, the Congress Party equates itself as a party which got India, uh, uh, created modern India. It equates itself uh, that, you know, it represents only this is the party which can represent all sections of the society and there is no other force like it. Second, what it does that Congress thinks that its ideological platform is actually the idea of India. So whatever Congress's ideology is, that should be the ideology of the median Indian voter. The third myth is that Congress party uses these narratives of uh, tragic deaths of Indira Gandhi, Prime Minister Indira Gandhi and Prime Minister Rajiv uh, Gandhi, as that, and this is where the Congress myth become equated to the Gandhi family myth, that this is the party which had made sacrifices for the national unity and national integration. Fourth, it presents itself as the champion of poor and presents itself. And you can see this, uh, you know, like the current narratives on Adani, Ambani and other things that Congress Party fights off uh, of big businesses and industrialists and is the champion of poor. And fifth uh, is basically considers itself as the default governing party of India that at sooner or later, Indians are going to vote for it no matter what it does or not do. And all these myths had created problems for the party, like the last myth, which is what I think that in 2004, when Congress party managed to form government at the national level in 2009, when their uh, seat share improved in the national parliament, Congress, in fact, misinterpreted both those mandates. The mandates or the kind, like if you do a deeper analysis of who voted for the Congress Party and what kind of aspirations and anxieties they have, Congress Party misinterpreted those mandates. And so all these myths combined has placed Congress into a box where it is not able to break free.
0: Right. A very interesting analysis of what's constraining the Congress to sort of move ahead, you know, to go back to something that happened earlier this year. You know, the Congress had you know, so-called Chintan Shivir, which did not seem to bring forth. Uh, any new ideas for the party's regeneration. Would you agree with that assessment? And what are your expectations from the ongoing Bharat Jodha Yatra, which has sort of been kicked off and is going to go on for a uh, while
1: now? It's the third day uh, of the Bharat Jodha Yatra. There is a lot of enthusiasm among Congress party and Congress supporters. And, and going back to your point on the Chintan shivir I think there is a consensus. Even Congress people or Congress leaders, if you talk to them in private, uh, they would agree that nothing new came out of that Chintan Shivir. I was kind of surprised uh, that uh, the opening remarks of Indra, uh, Sonia Gandhi said that we are in an extraordinary situation and uh, the party is in a difficult position and we need extraordinary solutions. But in entire two and a half day of that Chintan Shivin, we did not see any extraordinary effort being made by the party or top brass to basically come out of uh, that situation. In fact, it looked more like an I. I like given being an academic, I should not be uh, too critical of things, but it looked more like an academic seminar uh, rather than meeting of a political party that is in crisis. Right, and think of it. Uh, now we like we are being told that the election for the congress uh, president would happen in in october but since jintan shiva they have like this is now like in second year that the uh, second or third year that the party has not been able to solve the leadership question and since then we are keep seeing leaders leaving the party and all other problems so in some ways The Chintan Shiver was an utter failure. It did not. And and the most important point that the party actually did not put honest effort to diagnose the problem uh, that it is undergoing at the moment. So unless you have a clear idea of what the problem is, I don't think you will be able to provide solutions to that problem. And this is where I link to this problem of, of myths, right? which is that Congress Party does not understand the nature and depth of its crisis. right? And with Bharat Jodo Yatra, just to sort of like, you know, I don't want to say uh, that not much would happen. See, like any party getting on the ground, uh, there should be a sense of hope and optimism. And so it's just the third day. Uh, there is some energy, but whether this energy will last uh, during the entire course of Yatra or not, that is still to be seen.
0: Right. So the Congress seems to be Trapped in the past, but also unable to chart a new way forward. Of course, as you said, it's early days for the Bharat Joury Yatra. You know, we do see some energy, which might translate into something more uh, momentous. But only time will tell. But that nicely segues into our next question. Uh, you, you just mentioned the departure of leaders, and we recently saw the departure of uh, a tall Congress leader, Gulam Nabi Azad. Uh, And he's, of course, one among a long line of leaders who left the Congress uh, over the past uh, decade or so. What do you think the party could do to stop this exodus? Uh,
1: If you ask me honestly, and if I have to be blunt, I would say not much. The room for maneuver is very little for the Congress Party at the moment. And it seems that Congress Party, uh, like many organizations who fail, or or basically, give way to something new at the moment is going through a period where it's like you know could describe it very bluntly, death with thousand cuts and and the reason why I'm saying that uh, the party can't do much because politicians in any party and even in in the Congress party are there for two reasons: uh, one, to pursue some ideological agendas ideological goals, and two to pursue power and everything that comes with uh, power, right? Uh, I'm not saying these two are always mutually exclusive. In some cases, both of these things go together. And so unless Congress party can win elections, can give positions or can bring these politicians with ambitions closer to power hierarchies, or Congress suddenly discovers... Uh, a kind of a ideological platform and message, where many of these leaders think, okay, we can fight the long battle of power, but for the moment, these ideological goals are so important that we need to stick with the party, right? And so, unless these two things happen, uh, it's very difficult to stop the exodus. And both these things look very, very bleak. The, part, like the possibility of Congress being able to win elections, uh, uh, especially at the national level, and may, and able to retain states, now Congress just has two states if, uh, uh, under its control. And I don't think anyone can be sure whether both these states, Congress can win in next year, in 2023. And uh, any new territory, perhaps they have a chance in Karnataka, but given their history of shooting in the foot, we don't know whether they be, that chance will materialize. And on the ideological platform, that can't be created in a day. It, like, it comes with like deep thinking. It comes with some sort of like, you know, you can have an ideological platform, which is the message, but we would also need a messenger, which means you need to solve the leadership question. You also need a machine to take that message forward, right? That's where it, how, how think, so you have to build the organization and none of this can be done in a very, very quick period of time.
0: Yes, um, so the Congress really seems to be, again, you know, trapped in that old conundrum, you know, where the longer yeah. you stay out of power, the more yes. likely it is that you'll keep losing leaders at at all levels, and the ideology is not, you know, a sufficient uh, sort of basis to keep the, you know, party like the Congress together, which is really much more of a catch-all or an umbrella party. So that leads us to our final question: you know, So the Congress perennially faces that catch-22 situation of whether to have a Nehru Gandhi as its leader, which many Congress persons would say potentially keeps the party together or go for a new face that, again, could potentially spark factionalism and even a split or splits within the party. Hmm. Like hmm. You know, What do you foresee uh, for the party's coming presidential election? So, Ranunjay,
1: I, I think this idea of Congress cannot live without Gandhis is part of that founding myth. The myths are basically generated and created by a very, very close coterie around the Gandhis, which gains from this myth. Organizations uh, and institutions can live without personalities if there is robust infrastructure, Robust idea why they exist, what their reason for existence is. If the party's existence is only for Gandhis, then I'm sorry to say perhaps uh, like a lot, many people in India would not like to uh, uh, see this kind of a a, a party. Uh, But you rightly point out that in some ways going forward, because the party uh, has decided that it will hold elections for the new president in 2022, what would the situation look look like? And I don't think I have any surety of how it would look like because all things or all three or four possibilities that I can see is on the cards. The first possibility is, as Rahul Gandhi yesterday to a question by a reporter said, you will find out when the election happens, who the next leader is going to be. Because the question was, will you return as... Uh, the next president. So Rahul Gandhi did not categor- categorically deny that. No, I don't want to be the president. I've said it many times. So he did not categorically deny. So the first possibility always remains that Rahul Gandhi comes as the president. The second possibility is that uh, either some other Gandhi, Priyanka Gandhi, takes over, and or they get a Gandhi family loyalist as a president, or there is some combination which was also a talk during a point of conversation during those days when meetings between Prashant Kishore and the Congress party was taking at the highest level. One suggestion was that uh, we could have a shared leadership model where you have someone from the Gandhi family, but also uh, someone no, non-Gandhi. So that possibility also remained. Third possibility is that this becomes a genuine election and we get a surprisingly new face. But the question there would be, if someone new becomes the like, president of the Congress party, what would be the role of Gandhi's? Will they act as mentors to the new president? Will they decide to walk off? Because if they don't decide to walk off the party, then there would be problem of two power centers, as it is right now. Uh, while uh, the, uh, Sonia Gandhi is the interim president, we know, hear and read that all decisions are basically, uh, in some ways, have stamp of Rahul Gandhi. So Rahul Gandhi, while not being the president, continues to call shots within the party. So even if a new person becomes the president and Rahul Gandhi does not walk away from uh, the top leadership and hierarchy, it doesn't change as much. The fourth one, and I'm sorry to say this, but I still don't rule out the possibility that the elections would be postponed again which is what has been happening for the last three, four years. And if that happens, then it's going to be really disastrous for the party. And perhaps we can see much more open rebellion within the party going forward. Whether that would lead to a national split or vertical split in the Congress party, I'm not too sure, given that none of the, like, or G23 or this might now be G17 or 18, because many of those people have left, had the kind of Energy resources, charisma, and following to be able to lead a national alternative.
0: So the prospect for change looks somewhat dim, but anyway, we shall see what happens. It is maybe too early to predict the outcome of the presidential elections. Uh, thanks, uh, as always, it was a great pleasure talking to uh, Rahul, and we very much look forward to your book, which we hope will be. In, it will hit the stands sooner rather than later um, thanks Rahul uh, you were listening to South Asia Chat if you wish to learn more about our work visit us at isas.nus.edu.sg
1: thank you